Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... It's Mon. It's Mon. Mon, (laughs) how long is it since you and I have done The Breakfast Show together? It's been a hot minute. Because I did radio without you back in January you did. when I was filling in for you, but I didn't do it with you. And I That's to, right. Like, I feel like it's been a while. It's been a while, yeah, a Mon. It while. is awesome having you back in back in the studio. And of course, we have producer Lawson. DJ yeah, Shalom what's up? Dex. What's up? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> got a song request. <laughs> Get up, DJ Lawson. Oh, we got some bangers coming up, guys. Get ready. Get ready. We're gonna have Asian music. I bet. <laughs> It's called it's K-pop. Happen. It's called K-pop, not Asian music. I'm not even joking. We have a Korean song lined up. Yes! <laughs> I'm going to happen. It. it was going to happen. I'm happy about that. So we've got the old Ethiopian team here. This is this yeah, the, we true story. We haven't done this this particular this team, the three of us, yeah. since 2019, 2019 Ethiopia trip. Yeah. That's so funny because you know what? My bestie Vani messaged me this morning and she said that she got a Facebook alert telling her that this Today, in 2019, she flew to Ethiopia. So we're like on anniversary, really. Isn't that creepy? Yeah, I got a notification on my phone as well. Like it was three years ago, exactly. I I, I didn't because I went a week earlier than you guys. Yeah, and I came late because I was in... Johannesburg. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fantastic stuff. Well, it's good to have the old team to back together. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is the Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. You're with Lyle and Mon, which is just extra special, and it's 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 just just the old team back here together again. The old Ethi- Ethiopian team. Ethiopian yeah. team. I actually was looking at pictures recently about our Ethiopian trip. Ethiopian trip because we had the end of our mission trip. All the different um, churches gifted us traditional Ethiopian clothing. Yeah, yes. I saw some of the old pictures of us wearing our Ethiopian garb, looking a bit. Funny. <laughs> to us. Yeah, to you. Yeah. Very normal to yeah, everybody else yeah. in Ethiopia. I think Lawson's was really stylish. His was like a maroon sort of check thing, but yours was like all cream. Mine was the mine was fully African. Yeah, yeah. It was just the full African thing. No, it was fantastic. And for those of you who might be more recent listeners to the show, Mon used to be the breakfast show host or co-host. Uh, she used to be Lawson back in the day. <laughs> and I've upgraded to be Mon now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <burn. laughs> oh, you guys have sound effects now? <laughs> No way! Where was that when I was doing radio? But anyway, back in the day, the three of us did a mission trip to Ethiopia and we're like, well, what are we going to do with radio? How are we going to do radio? I mean, who are we going to get to fill in for us? And we're like, you know what? We're taking the radio with us. Yeah. And we broadcast live from Ethiopia, Ethiopia which was just From amazing. my hotel room. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was quite the challenge, but we got it done. It was great. Anyway, uh, Monica, let's have our quiz for the first yeah. question for the quiz. Pentathlon quiz. Okay, so first question is... How many days did God use to the world and everything in it? Wait, I think there's a word missing in this. How many days? I'm I'm guessing this is supposed to say how many days did God use to create the world and everything in it? Okay. Yeah. And uh, we got there. Do I? Is there like a? Is this a phone number now? Still. This is the still the phone number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Call the text on that number if you know the answer. How many days to create the world and everything in it? And everything in it. Don't forget all the everythings. Yes. Yes. 
Lyle, it's time for our good news section, is it not? It is indeed. Let's have some positively different news this morning. So you know how much I love old people, right? Yes. And I did just buy a bicycle, so I'm thinking of joining this amazing new movement happening. Um, it started in Scotland, of all places, where volunteers are soothing senior loneliness, which is something that I just really touches my heart. Um, and they're doing this by giving free bike rides on something that they're called couch bikes. Couch bike. Yeah, dude. This a is, couch bike. It looks so cool. I actually, I don't know if I want to like be the person riding the bike or just be sitting on the couch chatting to some old people. But this is um, this started this is like a rickshaw. They're calling it a trishaw. Okay, so right. uh, yeah, yeah. So, but and a rickshaw this- has three wheels. How's that not a trishaw? I'll explain to you, right? So this is actually now happening across the world. So volunteers are taking elderly and people with disabilities as well out for spins on special tricycles to enjoy the great outdoors. The movement's movement's called Cycling Without Age. Um, The group started up in Scotland after the relaxation of COVID-19 restrictions um, when people noticed that the elderly had, you know, sunk into this sort of depressiveness because of loneliness, um, you know, because of the restrictions. And uh, and so they're now uh, delighted to be re-engaging uh, with the seniors in their scientifically proven method for enhancing well-being in seniors. So take note. Um, so it actually began uh, with two people... Two good-hearted people, they wanted to help the local elderly and less able people get back on their bicycles because they're bike fanatics themselves. And so designed a tri-shore with a, with a two-person bench at the front where people can sit and enjoy the view. Oh, okay, yeah. so it's like a mm-hmm. rickshaw built backwards. Yeah, here's a picture for you to see. Maybe you can describe uh-huh, it to the people. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Well, this yeah. Is exactly. A reverse rickshaw. Yeah, ex- The literally. people are at the front, the... The rider is at the back. And so the people get, like, front row seats to the view. They should do all rickshaws like this. Yeah. Well, can you imagine being, like, in some of those sketchy countries where, like, it's your life in your hands? When you <laughs> you'd, rather, the... you'd rather the rickshaw oh, rider, rider die before you die. Thanks for putting it that way, Lyle. Now I seem awful. <laughs> Great. I'm horrible. So you Good go morning. out the front. You ride the bike. You sacrifice your life. That's fine. Look. As far as I'm concerned, if they've made some like questionable moves and gotten themselves in a sticky sticky situation, that's kind of their fault. <laughs> I'm not in, like I'm not at a risk to do like a head on anytime soon. You don't anyway. want to slam on the brakes too hard. I hope these things have seatbelts. Yes, they do. Um, there's ne- like so these people like this has taken off so fast. Like this has taken off in now 2,700 chapters worldwide. Wow. Yeah, using over 3,700 trisaws. And uh, and you can see the obvious benefits on the faces of the people in the carriages. The Scottish government immediately supported this non-profit um, and, uh, and yet yeah, g- gave a lot of funding. So it's available for free in almost every part of the country. 27 local authorities are participating in the project as already provided rides to 44,000 Scots thanks to the volunteer army of thousands of people because people love cycling cycling is a global this is the thing that i'm just thinking okay so think about you know we talked to uh, we should talk to david helped about this because you're getting two massive benefits right here volunteering has been shown to be one of the most effective things that you can do to counteract depression exercise is shown to be one of the most effective things that you can do to counteract depression being outdoors in the fresh air in nature is found to be one of the most effective things at counteracting depression. You've combined all three yeah. for the rider. Yeah, true, actually, for the rider. For as the well rider. As, yeah, the rideese. The, the rider is getting all three mm-hmm. while the rideese the are getting 
Well, they're getting, well, they're getting free as well because they're getting community as well. Well, it's actually uh, funny you should bring that up because um, this caught the attention of the a- Aging Lab at Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh. And they were like, do you know what? Something special is happening here. We should, um, we should measure the effects of these, of these ride, day ridings. And so um, they actually started testing the participants on the days they went for these free rides versus the days they didn't go for the free rides. And they said that pretty much everything across the board was increased, like their, um, the, you know, the happiness, the, just the stress levels went down, energy levels went up, such a strong improvement on the days they went for the, for the ride. They said they... Um, they love having the wind in their hair. Isn't that so sweet? Oh, it's the best. Yeah, and although the service, uh, it actually is zero cost to the riders um, and to the rideys, the bikes apparently cost about $13,000 each, so it's pretty expensive. Uh, but it hasn't slowed down the movement. So you can see this in Chicago, in Bolivia, in Colorado, in Tonga, in Malaysia. It's just everywhere. They need to buy their, they need to buy their, um, their, their um, what are they, rickshaws, not ride rickshaws? Trishaws. Trishaws. They need to buy their trishaws from India. I'm sure they're a lot cheaper than thirteen thousand dollars each. <laughs> yeah, and I'm... just cut them in half and reverse them. <laughs> cut them in half. Yeah, just, just, just like a trick shop shop. Just, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I have a feeling like there's going to be like some quality control issues there, Lyle. <laughs> um, some more good news, Lyle. We've been hearing about the coral dying for a long time now. Yes. With a two two degree increase uh, from global warming. Guess what? Marine biologists have been um, subjecting some of the three of the most common coral species to a two <clears throat> two degree increase in an aquarium for the last two years, and she has showed us that you know Mother Nature may have a trick or two up her sleeves yet. So they they uh, took some uh, hammer and chisel down to the waters underneath Hawaii and chipped off some coral, shoved it in an aquarium and put it up on the land, and then increased the temperature um, by two degrees and been monitoring it for the past two years. And they have discovered that while at first the coral, you know, it did have a bit of a tantrum, it actually managed to what's that word? Adapt. You know how you know how nature can do adaptation. It doesn't evolve. You know, evolution's not real, but uh, it did adapt. And so, rice coral, finger coral, and lobe coral—the um, three most common corals—have uh, actually. They said that some of them have even thrived. So, two out of three have actually thrived, and um, and coped underneath what they what they're saying is future ocean conditions. It says here this is going to be a bit scientific. Um, positive calcification and increased biomass, maintenance of lipids, and the capacity to exceed their metabolic demand through photosynthesis and heterotrophy. Excuse me. Um, so they're saying this is a long-term arc uh, where you can see stress responses, but after long enough, there was acclimatization. So this is uh, from coral biogeochemists in Ohio State at MIT. Um, so yeah, so the reefs are actually doing really well uh, on the on the Hawaiian island of Ohio. Ohio, man, I should not have done this story. So many Oh, words like I've, oh yeah, yeah, you got it. How do you know how to do that? Oh, you've been I to lived, Hawaii. I lived there for a while. Goodness me, Lyle, such a wow, but on the big person. island, Hawaii. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's Hawaii. Anyway, so this is really good news for coals, uh, for reefs around the world, um, especially because finger coral, it's, uh, it's actually like the base coral. So a lot of the, a lot of the coral reefs around the world, they start with a finger coral. A finger coral, like, like is the off street point. They're the ones that 
start creating the base and all the rest of corals come and join it. So this is actually really good news. I know this has been something that's been stressing out a lot of people and often when we think of global warming um, and the climate crisis, the first thing we think of is how our corals are all dying. But it seems like God might have created them to be a little bit more um, robust than we initially thought. So this is fantastic news this for our oceans. This is absolutely fantastic news. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. You're with Lyle and Mon this morning. We're about to have the 200-point question for our quiz. Mon, what have you got for us? What man lived the longest life recorded in the Bible? All right. It was 969 years. That's a that's decent decent yeah. run. What man lived that life? Give, that's... Us, a, give us a call. Zero, or give us a text, 0491064669. All right. The longest lived man in the Bible, recorded in the Bible, uh, 0491064669 is the number to call or text either for uh, bragging rights or for the prize. All right. So Puerto Rican bishop, Roman Catholic bishop, got, just got sacked. Oh, yeah. What happened Guess what here? for? Because it's a Catholic church, the first thing that comes to mind, you should not have asked me that question. Okay, I shouldn't have asked you that question because <clears throat> yeah. we all know the answer, right? Except oh. you don't. Okay. It's not that? It's not child abuse. It really? It is not. What was he doing, like picking his nose during church or something? Like what, where okay, else he got is sacked, there? Um, and, and so we, we, you know, we, t- we look at totalitarian governments around the world. It's interesting to notice how this one took place. Um, because if you want to find totalitarianism here... Wait, 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 um, let me have another guess. Was he speaking actual truth and then got fired because of it? Well, it depends, depends what you define as truth and which side of the argument you were on. But he was fired for not being in harmony with the other bishops. There are seven bishops on the island of Puerto Rico, oh. and six of them put out a document stating that receiving the vaccine was a moral imperative. Whoa. And he just chose to leave his name off it. No way. And because he didn't believe it was a moral imperative. And what was interesting is that there was no process carried out whatsoever at all. Uh, there was no accusation of any crime whatsoever. I mean, hey, they've got enough bishops to sack around the world already. Yeah. Um, you would think that they'd be trying to snavel up every last That's one that disgusting. they could that they could keep. Um, he was just, just got a verbal thing asking for his resignation. That's really – what island is this? Puerto Rico. I've been there. Yeah. That's really horrible. Just because okay, he left anyway, his name off. So the Pope just sacked him. Um, his name is uh, Bishop Daniel Fernandez Torres. And, uh, yeah, just, just with a stroke of pen. And, and, and so he was asked for his resignation. And he's like, well, I'm not going to be um, uh, an accomplice mm. to an unjust action where I've never actually been accused of having done anything wrong. You know, there's nothing, there's no moral imperative that you have to agree with every other pastor in your church over the issue of vaccines. Yeah. I mean, look at our church. If they sacked every pastor who had a dissenting view on vaccines, that would be a lot of pastors would have got sacked. I want to say at least 50%. (laughs) I don't think it would be 50%, but I think the number would be significant. I know the number would be significant because, you know, vaccine mandates was a discussion that, you know, I think every church had at one particular point. Of course, the Vatican, in the Vatican City itself, which is its own country, Mm. uh, the Pope made uh, vaccines mandatory. You get vaccinated or you're out. You leave the country. 
Well, I mean, it's not that hard. You just go for a three-minute walk and you've left the country. Yeah, this is true. This is <laughs> one of the smallest countries in the world. Wait, are they monitoring people who enter the Vatican City to see that not they've been vaccinated? I don't believe so, but if you're going to live and work there, okay. uh, you have to be vaccinated. And, you know, okay, every country gets to make its own policies and all that kind mm. of stuff, but you don't go around pointing the finger at other governments and saying, well, you're a totalitarian government when you just sack somebody without any due process, uh, without, actually, without them actually having committed a crime. They didn't break the laws of Port of Rico or the laws of the church. It's actually very telling of the um, <clears throat> the, the Catholic Church's attitude. It's a bit, it's, it's a bit mm. telling of Francis himself because when you talk about the Catholic Church, you can't really separate it from Francis. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Francis des- described the receiving the vaccine as an act of love. Well, an act of love, I would think, would be giving people freedom of choice mm. and body autonomy. And, and allowing people to make a decision, you know, between them and God and respecting the decision they make. I've got lots of friends that are vaccinated. I've got lots of friends that are unvaccinated. I respect all of them. Yeah. You made a moral decision to, to, to do the thing that you did because you believed that it was in the best interests of yourself and the people around you. Mm-hmm. Every single person that I know that made a decision on this, those were the reasons they give, regardless of which side of the fence they are on. Yeah, the motivation is the same. Yeah, the motivation is exactly the same. Anyway, let's move over to Victoria, where the Victorian Parliament has been asked to investigate the idea of decriminalising uh, recreational drugs. Now, this is a typical... Uh, and and the Victorian Parliament said, yeah, we'll look into that. Oh. To even say that is kind of bizarre. It's scary. That's is say this, it's going to go down the toilet if they do that. This is this is Victoria for you. Yeah. This is, this is so Victorian right here. And so I thought, well, okay, we already have uh, legal uh, recreational drugs in Australia. And so, you know, let's look at the impact of legal recreational drugs in Australia. So let's take one, just one. Okay. Legal recreational drug, alcohol. Oh. What, do reckon, what do you reckon the cost of alcohol is to the Australian oh, it economy? It must be billions. It, I mean, it's just an untold tide of woe comes from alcohol. Okay, in Australia it is 60, and, 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 and bear in mind we've got a very small population, what, 25 million plus, 66 point. Eight billion dollars is the cost of alcohol oh to, to our country. I wasn't That's the cost it to was society. Five thousand two hundred and nineteen deaths last year. Wow, that's massive. Okay, so what what societal benefit is going to be gained by legalizing recreational drugs? You know, mm. how is that building a better society? How is it building a better economy? What is it building doing to build? A, what 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 nation building? Uh, exercise yeah. is this to legalize recreational drugs. The only thing that is doing is satisfying the self indulgence of people who want to indulge in recreational drugs. That's the only thing that it's doing. While it's going to be hard on the economy, it's going to be hard on people around it. I've I've got friends who are I've got friends who are ambos and police officers, and both of them. Just anecdotally, you ask them the question: You know, what would your job be like if alcohol didn't exist? And they both told me, I asked both of them the question, they both told me, like, I'd be out of a job. Yeah, absolutely. Just get rid of of one recreational drug and they're out of a job. Mm -hmm. Uh, You look at, say, for instance, cannabis, which is probably the second, the the biggest, the most used recreational drug, most used illegal recreational drug in Australia, and its cost to society is $4.5 billion. Oh, my. Now, that's big. Yeah, that's massive. But it's a fraction of the legal one. Yeah, it's crazy. So you legalise cannabis and now you've got $66.8 billion for alcohol and you've got the same for cannabis as well. 
It's it's mind boggling thinking of all what, the, why, what? the thinking of all the projects I don't have funding for. Like just take some out of that, right? If you're gonna eradicate them. There's so many there's so many things in our country we don't have funding for and we would love to have funding yeah. for. And now we're there's going 66 to, billion sitting right there. That's right. Just get rid of alcohol. You got 66 billion dollars right there. Um, and so, you know, if one legal drug is that is creating that much damage, why do we need to add have more they, to it? Have they released a list of the actual drugs that they're thinking of legalizing, or is it just all of them across the board? They're looking. They, well, the investigation is to investigate all of them. But what they're basically saying is that for non-commercial quantities, it will cease to be illegal. There must be someone who's making money out of this. Uh, of course there's somebody yeah. that's making money out of it and there's also people that and this is the thing that worries me is that you know you've got these people like you know for instance your cannabis party and so forth that are pushing to legalize it which use this particular drug do we want to vote and put somebody like that in power who has shown a proclivity uh, to break the law already mm. you know, yeah, do we good want point. do we want do we want that kind of person you know if you are breaking the law for something that is a moral imperative mm-hmm. If you're breaking the law to do something that is making Australia a better place, if you're breaking the law for the good of society as a whole, then there are times when civil disobedience can be justified. But when you are breaking the law purely for self-indulgence that damages society, what does that say about you as a person? You know, as, as a political party, I'm, I'm talking about yeah, political parties. definitely here. the kind of person you want leading a country or at least not the kind anything. of person. That's right. Now I understand that there are people, you know, that are that are dealing with these, and and there's some, uh, you know, some some victim kind of stuff that is going on here, mm-hmm. and that we need to be helping people that are addicted to drugs. I'm not trying to not have sympathy. I'm going after the people who are trying to legalize this. Yeah, because that's not going to help them at all. No, this is the worst thing you can do for them. And uh, we've seen that over and over and over again. We've got uh, a whole bunch of actually other things that have been happening around the world. In fact, we had this uh, text message came through here um, talking about, uh, where are we? The, uh, on the news, 7.5 earthquake hits Japan. No, yep. what? Uh, and, and the remarkable thing is they're not recording any injuries so far. What they, must their building codes in that country look like? Um, looks like disasters are just going to continue non-stop. China locked down 10 cities due to another strain of COVID. Bet you the world will get a second round of lockdowns. Continuous talk of World War Three. US has poured a billion dollars into the war in the Ukraine, helping uh, China helping Russia. There is no holding back Satan and the New World Order. Welcome to the last days. This is the world we live in, friends, and Jesus is coming soon so we can take courage. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Anyway, let's have the 300-point uh, question for our quiz okay. before we go to our interview of the day. What kind of kiss did the Apostle Paul tell the Corinthians to greet each other with? Hmm. All right. What kind of kiss was it? 0491064669 is the number to call or to text if you know the answer to that one. We're joining us on the phone right now from Voice of the Martyrs is Etienne McClintock. Etienne, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle. Good morning, Mon, and good morning to your listener. And, uh, of course, we're having a bit of an Ethiopian reunion say. here this morning. <laughs> Another Ethiopian We are there. indeed. <laughs> this is the first time that we've had the, uh, the Lyle Mon Lawson show happening since Ethiopia. And, of course, Etienne, you were right there with us as well. Yeah, what a fantastic trip that was pre-COVID, you know, when the world was a slightly different place. 
Just yeah, like listen, the, I think about two months ago, uh, Mon, you were on as well just for the interview. So uh, good to have you back. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great to be filling in for a little bit just while uh, Shell's off to pick up Grandpa, which is going to be really exciting. I think he's landing right oh, okay. now. How exciting. Oh, fantastic. So we're around Sydney somewhere. Yeah, we're in Sydney this morning. Once I'm finished with this interview, I'm heading to the to Queensland. Oh. So we've got a long drive ahead of us. But anyway, uh, always love talking to you guys and just sharing what's happening around the world with persecution. And I've just been listening to you guys this morning. I mean, the world has got a lot of turmoil and challenges, and, of course, persecution doesn't rest. Uh, Evil still remains, and evil doesn't like the uh, the light, unless it comes to the light and it exposes the deeds that they are evil. So uh, much happening. Uh, We have a lot of information we share on our um, social media page on Facebook. Uh, We have regular updates there. I think people will be blessed if they just look under Voice of the Martyrs Australia under Facebook. And, of course, as they go to our website, theom.com.au, we'd love them to subscribe to our newsletter, our magazine, and also just pray for the persecutors because they need our prayers. And uh, look, the world needs our prayers more than ever before. Leaders around the world need our prayers, whether it be uh, Vladimir Putin or uh, Zelensky or, you know, some of the other world leaders. Uh, the world is uh, crazy. And are we on the cusp of World War Three? Everybody's asking that question. Mm, uh, but. One of the things we're doing at the moment is we're raising funds for our Bibles Plus campaign, and that includes people getting Bibles where there's a scarcity or they're even banned and outlawed. So we will actually, through COVID means, get Bibles uh, into their hands, but also provide just essentials just to live. You know, some of these people don't have food or they've been chased off their land because they are Christians. And so we provide noodles or rice or blankets if it's in winter. Some of them are very cold. They've got nothing um, to keep them warm at night, or even sometimes just mosquito nets, uh, nets in places where there's malaria. But the other one that's uh, hitting the, uh, the, I guess, the, the news uh, more than any other news article at the moment is the war in Ukraine. So we are actually now currently featuring uh, raising funds for Christians who are still in the Ukraine and are fleeing the Ukraine. And, of course, 100% of the funds raised will actually go directly to helping those people. Uh, there's no um, admin fees that get taken out of that and donations are tax deductible. But currently there's 1.85 million refugees in Poland, and we're working with Voice of the Martyrs Poland at the moment to provide um, uh, support and aid. I mean, some of these people have crossed the border into Poland or even Moldova, Moldova where we work, and they've had days without food. You know, some of them have been at their homes with water cut off, with no electricity, and it's been very, very cold there. And so some of them have just left, you know, when the bombings have started around the area, just with the clothes on their back. So what some of the churches have had to do is buy washing machines just so they can wash their clothes and then put their clothes back on. That's all they have. Give them a bed, give them food, give them a bath or a shower. And, uh, you know, they're cold, hungry, thirsty, tired. They're traumatized. Um, Many of them have to say goodbye to their husbands or their fathers or their sons or brothers at the border because if you're between the age of 18 and 60 years old, these men have to stay behind and fight. And, um, you know, the question, of course, is will they ever see their husbands or fathers again? So it's been really tough for many people. And so we're working through the church um, network there in Poland and Moldova and also in, into the Ukraine as well. And, uh, you know, the, the churches have been overwhelmed there. We've got between 100 and 150,000 people crossing the border as refugees. And, um, you know, some people may not know uh, why we're actually involved in this, because typically our work is working for persecuted Christians. 
Yeah, Tim, if I, could, if I could just jump in there for a second, um, this is a question that's sort of been rattling around in my mind. I mean, and, and, the, and the interesting thing about this conflict is that, you know, you've got the Ukrainian uh, Orthodox Church, which is, you know, the bulk of uh, Ukrainians, I think like 87% of them belong to the Orthodox Church or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that, um, that broke away in 2019 and went into full communion with the Vatican. And so you've really got a, a in, in many ways, behind the political war, you've got a Vatican Orthodox War, which has been in existence for the last thousand years, this battle has been fought, and 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 been fought at the political level. What does Voice of the Martyrs do when you've got Christian on Christian persecution taking place? This is not something that has been common in recent years. There is a very long history of Christian on Christian persecution going back two thousand years. But where do you? How do you guys navigate that kind of a situation? Yeah, it's, look, it's an interesting question. One of the things we're pretty clear on from Scripture is that God's people never quit, persecute others. And so what we do, we always work with the persecuted Christians. You know, uh, in places where um, Protestants are persecuted, of course, we work with them. In places where um, you know, Coptic Christians or uh, Orthodox Christians are persecuted, we can work with them as well. And in other places, some of these uh, entities themselves in certain countries actually are the perpetrators of persecution. So our work predominantly um, in Ukraine, although Ukraine, generally speaking, has actually been quite free mm, in regards right. to religious, yeah, they've had no religious uh, um, freedoms curtailed, we have been uh, doing some work into Luhansk and Donetsk. Now, Luhansk and Donetsk in 2014 were taken over by uh, Russian separatists, so they were backed by the Russians, and they declared themselves independent. And so we've been doing a fair bit of work uh, there with them, but uh, some ch- crazy things took place uh, around that time. Um Almost immediately, uh, they started curtailing the religious freedom of people. So we're talking about going back now eight years ago, right? And uh, in, in all the areas where the Protestant communities uh, were, they were declared illegal. And typically, it's the Protestant churches who are evangelical. In other words, they share the gospel, they evangelize. And these have been the ones in particular that have uh, been have been attacked. Um and uh, the breakaway Luhansk People's Republic uh, passed a religion law in 2018, so February 17, 2018, and they required every religious community to re-register with the authorities. So they were given two years free registration, and subsequent to that, they had to reapply for the for the right to exist. And uh, no one's been able to get that. So uh, if you don't get that application passed, you actually are illegal within that organisation. For example, in March 2019, all Baptist Union congregations were ordered to hold public uh, worship services or face punishment. And uh, so we, we see this this happening. Even even in, in Russia now, there's been a curtailing religious freedom. And in some of these places now, you've got, um, there's been 12 books actually that have been banned. For example, in Luans, uh, some hymn books have been banned, um, books by Charles Spurgeon, Billy Graham, um, and the Ministry of Justice have added these books to the status of extremist materials. You won't believe us, even the Gospel of John, you know, sometimes people just print the Gospel. The Gospel of John has been deemed extremist. And so this is represented as a rebellion against the state, but it's actually a rebellion against God himself and everything that is sacred. So in Luhansk, the uh, the state security ministry has banned all Ukrainian uh, Baptist churches, for example. And we know uh, in, um, in Russia... The, um, what are they called? The Jehovah's, Salvation Jehovah's Witnesses, Witnesses right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. They've, they've had a bad run there as well. And uh, these people uh, are, are actually pretty much peace-loving. We may not agree with their, with their theology, 
but they're peace-loving people, you know, generally speaking. So they've been banned and put through the ringer, and I've read some terrible stories of what they've had to go through, you know, when they have been confronted with the secret police and, and the nasty things and the beatings and so on that have taken place. So there have been repeated raids uh, on places of worship. Uh, there have been the deregistration. There have been denial of them actually accessing those places because they haven't been able to get a permit. All of a sudden, uh, they're not up to building spec or building code, and they can't get the code, and, of course, they can't use um, the, the places of worship anymore. So then if they try and rent somewhere, the government puts pressure on uh, the, uh, the landlords not to rent these facilities out to them. Uh, and this is interesting a, because this is not this is not atheistic um, uh, USSR Soviet Russia that we're talking about. This is, you know, Russia that is now back to being deeply orthodox again. Well, exactly, um, and there seems to be suggestions sometimes that the government there is actually in somewhat uh, as a control over the the Orthodox Church, and they've got obviously the patriarch that sits in Moscow. You have a patriarch sitting in the Ukraine, and then the patriarch sitting um, in in Turkey. And I think when they did actually break away, there was with the permission of the patriarch in Turkey. So there's, there's many layers to the story. Mm, mm. But simply it is whenever somebody wants to be a witness for Christ and his truth, you know, and wants to share the gospel around, these are the people particularly that get targeted. So in the Ukraine, there have been 700 evangelical Christians that have been targeted. I just read a, 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 a clip this morning where um, in Kiev, I think they call it Kiev now, um, a, a missile was dropped into the uh, the front courtyard of the Seventh-day Adventist Church there. The, the missile was uh, of great length, and um, it, luckily it didn't explode it, so it sort of went half into the ground. But the people were actually in the church there praying. If it had exploded, the whole building and the people inside would have uh, uh, would have uh, had the end of their life, basically. And so they're all asking for prayer because they're now in lockdown in Kiev. The, um, I think it is the... Uh, the the, the mayor there that's put them in lockdown for 36 hours or something to say, expecting a big assault from the, the Russians. You've got, to, so, you've got to respect people that, uh, you know, you've got missiles flying around, you've got shells coming in, uh, the country is at war, the, the, the city is in danger of being surrounded and cut off, and it's like, you know what, we're going to go to church because we need God now more than ever before. You've got to respect people that actually do that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, look, I, I took my hat to them, and one of the things that actually has become very uh, important for them is the Word of God. And one of the Psalms that uh, really stands out, and we've been told that they are claiming the promises in and reading a lot and, and praying over, is Psalm 31, where it talks about putting your trust in God and that God will not let you be ashamed, shamed, and that He will deliver uh, them in righteousness. And, you know, verse 4, for example, says, uh, Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Uh, verse 7, I'll be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble, you have known my soul in adversities, and so on and so on. And then have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am troubled, my eyes waste away with grief, yes, my soul and my body. So, you know, the Word of God becomes so important. So that's part of the things that we do is we also provide people with Bibles who may have lost their Bibles. Although it's been a free country, things have changed quite dramatically. And the reason why people are fleeing Ukraine, a lot of the Christians, other than just for safety reasons, is that they anticipate if the Russians take over that there will be persecution like we see in Russia and also like we see in Luhansk and Donetsk. Yes, so this is, um, you know, we've, we, we know what's going to happen because we have an example of what, you know, we, we know what's going to happen to the whole of Ukraine because we've got to have an example of what's happened in the East. And so we need to be doing whatever we can to prepare for it now. Um, Etienne, what, um, what, how do we get in contact with uh, Voice of the Martyrs and how do we support these, these projects? Oh, 
Great. Look, if you go to vom.com.au, you'll see information right on our homepage there about Ukraine and how you can support that. Uh, we also would love you just to sign up to our free newsletter. And if you sign up to that, currently we've got a book called Marx and Satan, which talks about the, the, the author of Marxism with Engels and uh, just shows you that in his early life he was actually a Christian. And um, after he left high school, that something changed dramatically and became an enemy of God. And uh, according to his poetry, he sold his soul to the devil. So he's actually not a true atheist. He's actually a Satanist. So all this Marxist ideology, even it's morphed into cultural Marxism, is from the devil. And uh, please pray, please sign up. And if you can support, the Lord impresses you, we would welcome any support. Mm. Andy, we've got a little bit more time left. So I'm going to sneak, sneak one more question in. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, how do you navigate the, uh, you know, Christian on Christian persecution? I really liked your answer when you said, well, Christians don't persecute. We support those who are persecuted. And you listed mm. off then a whole bunch of different, uh, religions that, you know, are being persecuted and that you guys are able to support around the world. Um, Roman Catholicism wasn't in that list. Are there places where you guys are supporting Roman Catholics that are being persecuted for their faith? Look, Roman Catholics actually have their own ministry set up for persecution. Roman Catholics do get persecuted, and of course God has people in every in every denomination. We believe that. We do do some work into Mexico at the moment where there's uh, persecution from Roman Catholics on Protestants who do want to keep, uh, they want to support some of the Catholic festivals in their towns. And so uh, we have some work there as well. And uh, look, it gets complicated, but Christian on Christian persecution is not foreign. If you go and read John chapter 16, verse 1, 2, and 3, you'll clearly see that the Lord says that even those in the synagogue are going to put you out. They're going to, um, you know, excommunicate you. And um, they may, may be thinking they're doing God's service when they kill you. Mm. So we wouldn't be surprised about that. But the fact is simply they don't have intimacy with God. They don't know God or Jesus. They have a knowledge of God, but they don't have a relationship, an intimate relationship with Him, and that's the difference between those two two Christians. Etienne McClintock, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning to give us an update on what is happening around the world, and particularly what you guys are able to do in Ukraine. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.